told you I would try to be short. Guys, I'm just going to stay right on the pulpit tonight, if that's all right. And then we're going to have an invitation here in a moment, or two, or three. It just depends on how the Lord blesses. I mean, the Lord multiplied for the Ogle's message this morning to go beyond 30 minutes. I mean, good night. He could multiply mine tonight to go an hour because I'm naturally long-winded. Amen. Mark chapter number five. But what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to share with you a little bit uh, of the burden for our year and how we can better go about doing that. I told you I have a tremendous burden this year to take our theme, and let's not lose track of it, but figure out how we can put it into practice, okay? It's great to have a pep rally to come to church, have our hearts stirred, be excited about what God's will is for our church, and then individually as a Christian, but sooner or later, that's got to be put into practice. And so a lot of the burden this year in the message is on how we can do that. I've been preaching on that on Sunday nights, but what we're going to do is after the message tonight, we're going to have a couple of baptisms, And then right after the baptisms, we're going to begin showing you just a few of the areas where we're going to work at this year as a church body, both on property and off property. And I'm excited about that, and I hope God will stir your heart just a little bit uh, to be a part of that. Mark 5, if you're there, let's stand together. Look down to verse number 14 for the sake of time. We're going to jump right into, toward the end of the story here, one of my favorites, the demoniac of Gadara, the boogeyman, if you will. And uh, he's come to know Christ. Christ. Christ came all the way to where he was in order to redeem him. Aren't you glad that's something our Savior was willing to do? Come all the way to where we're at in order to win us, to put on flesh, and to dwell among us so that we could be saved. And he's doing that for this gentleman here. We know the story. He was a wild man. He lived in the tombs. No man could tame him. And yet he came to know Christ, and everything changed after that. Aren't you glad? Verse 14, the Bible says, And they that fed the swine... Fled. Now, these are the keepers of the pigs, if you will, that when Christ dismissed the demons out of this man's body, they went into the swine. We know the story in verse 13. They went down a steep place in the sea, and they were drowned, okay? Now, can you imagine if you had seen that? This is not a fairy tale. This really happened. The Bible says, And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. Now watch what happens. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Albeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish or to spread abroad or to preach in Decapolis, that's an area of ten cities, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity tonight, Lord, to read something true, to read something, Father, that's not a story but an account, Lord, of of your compassion, of your kindness, and of your power. Help us tonight to take courage from it. I pray you'd stir our hearts through what you did here. Use us this year, Lord, here in Hattiesburg, or to take the gospel to those who've yet heard, and yet like us, Lord, when we were lost or in great need, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I was thinking about my daughter today. 
Uh, I quite do that often, and she cringes every time I mention her name behind the pulpit. Uh, I don't joy in that, but there's something about it that does give me a little bit of satisfaction because I, being a pastor's kid, can remember those days when your name was called from the pulpit and you wondered what life experience uh, was about to get told to the entire world. Now, Miley, we didn't have live stream back then, so just be thankful for that, you know. Now everybody gets to hear about your life and things that go on behind the scenes there at our house. But as a preacher's kid, I remember what that was like. Uh, you never know what dad was going to tell about, what story, what embarrassing moment. And uh, there's something that's come up in our home several times. It came up uh, a few weeks ago, and it's came up all throughout the years that being in a preacher's house, uh, Miley's been privy to a lot of the struggles that go on and battles that have to be fought and times you're fighting with people, trying to help people, trying to get people in church. And uh, there have been several times where either a lost person who needed to get saved or a saved person that was out of the will of God, I would constantly be going to their home and trying to win them to Christ or trying to get a Christian back in church. They got sideways with me, sideways with somebody in the church, and they decided we're not coming back. We're going to boycott God because there's humans that go to that church and they stay home. And I'd go, Miley, where are you going? I'm going to visit so-and-so, try to get them back in church. And I remember her asking me several times, and she's even asked me recently, why can't people just do what's right? Why can't people just do what's right? And I wanted to say because they're heathens. That's why, no, I really didn't say that. That's what I felt like saying. I said, Mine, for the very same reason you and I don't always do what's right. And you know what that reason is? It's not the devil that makes us do it. It's because we don't want to. We simply don't want to. We don't go to church. Oftentimes it's because we don't want to. Just about as quick as you decide that you're going to live for God and find your now, in 2022, you're going to find the devil offers you a substitution of why you shouldn't do it. Have you ever made up your mind you're going to read through the Bible this year? You're going to pray better this year. You're going to pass out more gospel tracts this year. You're going to be a more faithful witness this year. And just about the time you resolve that in your heart, all of a sudden, here comes the devil and offers you a reason not to do that. Have you ever experienced that? One of my goals for this year is to do better about walking in the Spirit. I think we could all work on that one. Amen? Walking in the Spirit, it's hard sometimes. Why? Because we live in a flesh body, and yet we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. And I was just talking to my wife as I was getting ready to go into Corner Market the other day. I said, boy, it's been a good year. It's great tuning into the Holy Spirit, trying to let Him govern what I say, decisions that I make, thoughts that I think. I'm trying to walk in the Spirit. And I said, it feels so good to get some victories. Doesn't that feel good? When you get a victory every once in a while, when you let God win in your life rather than let the flesh win, man, that feels good. And so I get out of the car, I walk into Corner Market, walking around, just telling my wife how good it is to walk in the Spirit and to get better at that. And the next thing I know, I hear over the intercom a pop song that I remember hearing when I was a teenager. You like the way you put that, right? Uh, not that I listened to as a teenager, but that I heard as a teenager. Sounds more sanitized that way, doesn't it? Amen. We're all guilty of that. But I listened to as a teenager, and the next thing I know, I'm walking down the frozen foods, just humming along in my head. 
Yeah, man, I remember the good old days when I was a teenager. We're in the locker room getting ready to go play, and somebody's playing the music. And we didn't have iPods back then. We had Walkmans back then, you know, or those big things you borrowed from the library. You pushed the big button, it would play the cassette, those kind of things. We all can relate to that. And I thought to myself, good grief. I mean, five minutes ago, I'm walking into the store, walking in the spirit, and I walk out, bebopping in the flesh before I ever got back to the car. I never had very good dance moves, but man, just that quickly, I'd tune right back into the flesh. You see, there's a war of desires in my heart. I don't know if you found that about yourself. There's a war going on inside of us. And just as soon as we decide, we're going to ask the question, what's our now? What did God leave me here in 2022 for? And I'm going to find my now. And you set your heart on it that you're going to do the will of God. And the next thing you know, you can flip back to the other channel. Why? Because that war inside of us, of all the different desires that we have. I read back to my great, 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 to the 50th power, grandmother Eve this afternoon. It's amazing when you read Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, God says, don't eat the fruit. You got it? Eve's like, got it. That's Genesis chapter 3, verse number 3. Seventy words later, she's eating the fruit. Three verses later. You know why? Listen close. The Bible says that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired. A tree to be desired. You see, we have these wars going on inside of us, all these desires pulling this way and that way. And if we're going to fulfill the will of God, we're going to have to find God's direction in spite of all the desires that we have in our life. I want to tell you this. Unfortunately, tonight, most Christians live by their desires rather than God's direction. And we don't like the place that it leads us to. And yet, once again, tomorrow, we will find ourselves yielding to our desires rather than the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to figure out how to handle this. A little boy one time, he loved his mother's biscuits. I think every boy ought to love his mother's biscuits, amen? He told his mom, he says, Mom, I'd like to have another one. She says, no, son, you've had too many, and after a while, you're going to start looking like that biscuit. You're going to be fluffy and lumpy all over, and you don't need any more biscuits, amen? Some of us have that problem, amen? I have that problem. I just put on a little extra insulation in the winter just to keep warm, to keep the heating costs down because the church pays my power bill, and I'm trying to save the church money, amen? Isn't it amazing how we can spiritualize that stuff? Some of you will learn how to do that one day if you're more in tune with your flesh. The little boy says this, Ma, I promise you, I could eat all the biscuits you could make, and I just want you to keep them coming. His mom says, okay, I'm going to teach my lesson. So she started baking batch after batch after batch of biscuits. She made him a tray. She handed him the tray, one after another. He gobbled them down. She says, so have you had enough? He says, no, I want more. So she made another batch, put it over there. He started eating them. She says, do you want more? He says, absolutely, give me more. He just desired it and desired it and desired it. She made him a third pan. She slid it over there. He started eating, but then he started turning pale. He started looking like some of you around 12, 15 on Sunday mornings when the message goes long. She says, son, do you want more? He said, more? I don't want the ones I've got. And isn't that how it is? When we are controlled by our desires, it leads us to a place we don't want to go. 
And the sad truth is when we do that as Christians, we miss out on the direction God would have us to have. So somewhere we've got to find God's direction in spite of all of our desires. And that's what we're going to preach on for a few minutes tonight, finding direction in spite of desire, finding direction in spite of desire. Now, let's look at this man tonight and let's see how he found his direction. Isn't that our prayer tonight? that we find our direction in 2022? Why did God leave me here? Now listen, I hope you find your direction as part of the church body, but I hope you find your personal direction on God's perfect will for your life, and this gentleman is gonna show us how to find direction in spite of desire. So look down, if you will, verse number 18. The Bible says, and when he was come into the ship, now to be honest with you, I don't know if this is speaking of Jesus or the man that got saved, but either way, it still counts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now, here's this man. He's newly saved, and he's about to get a crash course in the will of God. I don't know about you tonight, but I could always use help discerning the will of God for my life, finding God's direction for my life. Now, notice it begins in verse number 18. It says, he prayed that he might be with him. It prayed he might be with him. Now, you've got to see this. Number one tonight, if we're going to find God's direction in spite of all the desires that we have, it begins with this. Number one, a willing desire. The Bible says he prayed that he might be with him. Now, let me tell you tonight, one of the greatest evidences of a changed heart is when a child of God desires to follow Christ. All right? That's one of the greatest evidences that you are who you say you are. And what happened in here genuinely happened when you have a genuine, willing desire to follow Christ. Now, I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I worry about a lot of people who say that they were saved and they profess Christ, and they've been baptized, and yet there's no desire in there. There's no willingness to follow Christ. Think about this. Matthew chapter 4. What was the first words Christ would say to his new disciples? Follow me. Follow me. What did the apostle Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1? Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The apostle Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen folks tonight, it's indispensable in the Christian life for us to desire to do the will of God and yet not follow the will of God. You can't have it both ways. I fear tonight that a lot of times we sanitize being a follower of Christ when truly all we are is a fan of Christ. Now hear me out. There's a lot of people tonight in this world who think they are followers of Christ, and yet all they are is a fan of Christ. What is a fan? Let me tell you. I'll read it for you. I'm glad you asked. A fan is an ardent admirer. Hear me out. Usually a spectator. A fan is usually a spectator. A fan is not a follower. Leslie and I went to a Pelicans game the other day. You know, they're not doing all that great, and so tickets are kind of cheap. And so we went to a Pelicans game, and we went down, and I got to meet several of the players down there. And look, I still got some moves, okay? They're not what they used to be, but I still got some moves. If they let me camp out under the basket, Brother Heath, I think I could probably score one every once in a while for the Pelicans. I'm sitting there talking with those guys, and, you know, I asked for their autograph, and they signed the basketball that I have. I'm a fan, but man, when it came down to it, I wasn't going out there on the court with them. 
Matter of fact, if I tried to go out there on the court with them, that very nice security guard with the very large biceps, uh, he probably would have ran me down and made sure that I wasn't able to follow them out there. Why? Big difference in a fan and a follower. One is a spectator. Listen, we're not followers of Christ if we're not following Christ, okay? Every door that I knock on in Hattiesburg, everybody claims that them and the Lord have a close relationship, and then their life yet shows nothing that they're following after Christ. You can't be a follower if you're not following. There's a big difference. Luke chapter 9, I must hurry. Verse 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and what? Follow me. It didn't say be a spectator. It says, and follow me. But you know what that requires? A willing desire. I'm willing. If any man will come after me. I look at this man in verse number 18. I honestly can't tell you who it's speaking of, whether it's speaking of Christ or whether it's speaking of the demoniac. But the Bible says, and when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Oh, what a refreshing thing it is to a pastor or anybody else who leads a soul to Christ. And when you watch that person desire to follow Christ. What is it? It's a willing desire. Do you know why many of us can't find direction over desire? Here it comes. Ready? We're not willing. We're not willing. The reason this man is going to find direction in the will of... Look, he's a brand new Christian. He has not been through discipleship. He probably hasn't even gone to Sunday school yet. We're trying to think, is he even a Christian yet? He probably hasn't made his first Baptist potluck either. Now we know he's not saved. Probably hasn't filed a complaint yet in the pastor's office. Now we know he's not saved. And yet he finds direction. Why? Because he was willing. So how do you know? Well, watch this. Verse 18 says he prayed that he might be with him. A follower is someone who's willing to go where the one they are following is going. That's deep theology, isn't it? He says, I want to go where you are. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Folks, if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we've got to be willing to go where he goes and where he calls us to go. And yet the problem is not that our desires are too strong. It's that our will is too weak. There it is. Look, don't miss it, all right? It's not the fact that, oh, this stuff is just so strong. No, don't get me wrong. It's strong. It's strong. That's why Paul said there's a war in his members. Be amazed at how many times, Brother Ogle, how hard it is to get a gospel track out of my pocket. You would think this thing weighs 50 pounds. I'm sitting there at Arby's, and I'm asking for some extra Arby sauce because, man, that's good with your fries. Amen? Curly fries. Don't get the crinkle fries at Arby's. It's not Arby's. You don't get the curly fries. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for them to come back to the window, and I've got my hand on it, and I'm trying to read their facial expressions, whether they find out they're going to cuss me out or not. And I can't pull it out. It's not because this was so strong. It's because my will was so weak. This man would find direction over and in spite of his desires because he was willing. He says, I want to go with where you are. Now, I don't know if he was in the boat, but allow me to hypothesize just a second. In my personal opinion, I think he was in the boat. I really do. I kind of feel like Peter and some of the other disciples were thinking, what are you doing here? Because they're Baptist, all right? And you know they were thinking, that's my seat. 
Hey, man, you just got saved. You're, you listen, you go to the back of the boat. You got to work your way up here to the front as a new Christian, all right? You sit back there and work the trolling motor. We're gonna, you got to move up to the front later on after you've been saved a while. And here he goes, and he gets in the boat, and he's standing there. All right, guys, isn't this awesome? Hey, we're going to go. And they're thinking, what are you doing here? I believe he was a follower and proved he was a follower. Watch, because he got all in, all in. You want to find God's will for you in 2022? Don't keep one leg on the shore and one leg in the boat. What does it say? And when he was come into the ship, a follower is willing to go where he goes. A follower is willing to get on board. And then he is all in. Luke 9, 62, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. How are we going to find direction? In the midst of all of these desires, number one, it's a willing desire. We must be willing, but let's hurry. Look on down. Here comes the shock of his life. Verse 19. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not. Here's what I picture, okay? Do you see pictures in your head when you're reading the Bible? All right, good. I'm making sure that I'm not out of ballpark here. I'm sitting here reading it, and I see this guy. The people are like, get out of town. We don't want you here. You have scared us to death. You killed half of our pigs. We'll not have any, you know, Easter ham because of you. Get out of here. And he's like, huh, fine. I'm going with these guys. And he goes and hops in the boat with those guys. He's like, yeah, we're going to show them. And Jesus says, get out. Huh? You know. After he didn't talk to all this trash, all right? No, I didn't say he talked trash. I'm just saying. you got to know this guy's heart was probably in despair. I want to go with you as any Christian ought to want to do. I want to go where Christ is going. But how be it, verse 19, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Now, you got to hear this second point, okay? And I'm going to hurry. Even though it was a good desire, it was not God's desire. Now, this is a lesson we've got to learn. Even though what he wanted was good, and it was a good desire, it was not God's desire for him. So now there's a conflict with what he wants to do and with what God wants him to do. And here comes the second part of how you find direction in the middle and in the midst of all these desires. Number two, we see a yielded desire. He had to be willing to yield. Hear me out tonight. If you're going to find direction, you must learn the difference in a good desire and God's desire. A good desire and God's desire. I'll give an example in Luke chapter 5. I have to come to Simon Peter's defense, okay? I come to his defense because oftentimes I'm just like him. I'm a lot of mouth and little action sometimes in my spiritual life, and there was Peter in that. Luke chapter 5, you know the story. They've been fishing all night long. Jesus comes along and tells them to cast their net back out, all right? This was more than just taking your Zebco 33 and pushing the button and casting outside the boat, okay? This is a great big old net. They clean their net, picking their nets up, all of this work, and now Jesus says, throw them back out again? What does Peter say? Master, we have toiled, Luke 5, 5, we have toiled all the night and taketh nothing. Now, can I tell you something? To me, that argument makes good sense. Does it make good sense? 
you have fished all night long and not caught anything, does that make good sense that we're heading to the house? Brother Ogle, I know you like to fish, but after two or three hours out on the lake, if I'm not catching something, I'm going to the house. Makes good sense, right? If you're not seeing any deer, you're not seeing whatever it is you're hunting for, let's just pack it in and go on to the house. That makes good sense. Here's the only problem. The good sense didn't line up with God's sense. And Christ says, I want you to cast it on the other side. And Peter says this. Oh, Peter had a moment with a light bulb connected. Aren't those good? When man, just for a moment, you walk in the spirit. And he said this. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. You know what he did? He yielded. He yielded. God, I, I know it doesn't seem to make sense to me. But I'm going to yield to you and let you take care of the results. Can I tell you, that's how God wants you and I to live tonight. Brother Jeff and I were talking at the skeet shoot. Man, we had a blast with that. Had a good old time. Like Brother Ogle said, we, I feel like, Brother Nate, we need to buy him a couple more Canadian geese because those geese are going to have nerve problems the rest of their life. I mean, those geese were over there. After about two or three shots, they're gone. But they, they're probably still shaking from all the gunfire that was over there. And those poor fish down there in his pond eating all those clays that we shot and fell down through there. Brother Jeff and I were standing there talking, and we were talking about God's providence and how God always provides where God guides. And I'm glad for that, and I'm thankful for that. I remember I was telling you, when we moved to Louisiana, I didn't know what God wanted exactly. I didn't know how to build a church. I just knew God called us there. And so we packed up, and we moved, and we moved into that camper. And it was a nice camper, but it's still a camper. Amen. If you've ever lived in a camper, you know where I'm coming from, all right? You know, you have that gas pedal to flush the toilet. That's just not normal, all right? But, hey, that's where God provided us, and we were thankful for it. And I worked there at the garbage company. Now, hear me out. I made $300 a week. I made $300 a week. I paid my own insurance. It was $400 a month. We have groceries. I mean, Miley has a, a, a grilled cheese habit that we have to feed all the time. Texas toast, the real craft singles. She doesn't go for that best choice stuff, you know, from Walmart. She wants the craft singles, the all-American cheese that really melts, you know, when you put it there on the, on the grilled cheese. And Brother Jeff says, it's one of those things that doesn't add up when you do the math. 300 a week, paying 400 something dollars a month health insurance gasoline prices, all this, it doesn't make sense. But be careful. Because as Peter found out, it may not always make sense to us, but it makes sense to God. That's where we've got to yield. God, I don't know why you're doing this. God, why are you asking this of me? Jesus, we've already fished the whole night, and we haven't caught anything. It doesn't make good sense, but it makes God sense. And if it makes God sense, that's all that matters. It doesn't always add up. It doesn't always make, I told you in stewardship banquet, C-E-N-T-S and S-E-N-S-E, they don't always line up, do they? But if it makes sense to God, it ought to make sense to us. I was reading Saul just this afternoon, remember in 1 Samuel 15, where God says, I want you to go. I remember what the Amalekites did. And I want you to go in there to the Amalekites and utterly destroy everything. Don't leave anything. So Saul goes in there, and oh, I can relate to Saul sometimes too. Saul goes in there, and he does just about everything God said. But he keeps back some of the good sheep, some of the good oxen. 
I read it and I almost laughed out loud this afternoon when Samuel comes up and the first words out of Saul's mouth, I have performed it. I did what you said, guilty, guilty. And then Samuel says, what is the bleeding of sheep and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? He says, didn't God say destroy it all, take nothing, destroy it all? And he says this, but you know what? We save the best of it for God. We are rotten folk tonight. When we start using scripture and the Bible and we start using God to reinforce our own disobedience. You may not be as low down as I am, but I've done it before. And he says, you know, we saved all of this good stuff for God. Can I just ask you right off the bat, okay? Saving the good stuff for God, that sounds like a good idea. But it wasn't God's idea. What did God say? 1 Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel said, said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Do you think that God's going to think more of the burnt offering and the sacrifice than you just being obedient? What did he go on to say? We know this one well. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know what he's saying? Saul, you should have yielded. Saul, you should have yielded. All here's, here's Saul. I mean, be careful. When you think you have a good idea, can I just tell you, I'm thankful for a wonderful wife who helps me parse out my good ideas. Because sometimes when that bulb flickers, it's an accident. All of a sudden, you have this great idea. We're going to be missionaries, and we're going to travel all over Africa in a hot air balloon. Yeah. Makes sense to me. And your wife begins explaining to you why that's not going to work. And she kind of helps you parse it out. Here's Saul. Look at those good-looking sheep over there. Man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give those to God. What a good idea. It'd be a waste to kill all those sheep and all those oxen. Let's give them to God. It may have made good sense, but it didn't make God sense. And when you get to the place where your good sense is overriding God's sense, you're in trouble, buddy. Why? Because God knows what he wants and expects what he says. And it's for you and me to simply yield so where are we going with this? What are we looking for? Direction in spite of desires. If we're going to find our now and fulfill it in 2022, we've got to learn, number one, to be willing. God, I'm willing to go where you lead me. I'm willing to go. I want to follow you. But then, God, I'm willing to yield too. If you say, what did he say, verse 19? If you say, how be it, Jesus suffered him not. Okay, God, and then I'm not. I'm not. Number two, a yielded desire. J.C. Ryle said this. It's a long quote, but I want you to listen. It costs something to be a true Christian. Let that never be forgotten. That's something the modern church doesn't preach. That being a fan of Christ is the same thing as being a follower of Christ. And you can live the way you want to live. And you can do what you want to do. You don't have to yield your will. You don't have to yield your way. And hey, it's just great being a friend of Jesus. I've told you, man, on our honeymoon, we're up there in Memphis. This guy comes walking through with a T-shirt on, and it had a picture of Jesus. It probably, probably looked like your uncle's she was describing this morning. And it said, Jesus is my homeboy. I'm thinking to myself, oh, are you going to be surprised? Can I tell you something? 
There's some yielding in the Christian walk. He goes on to say, to be a lukewarm Christian and go to church is cheap and easy work. But to hear Christ's voice, follow Christ, believe in Christ, and confess Christ requires much self-denial. It will cost us our sins, our self-righteousness, our ease, and our worldliness. All must be given up. Our Lord Jesus Christ would have us thoroughly understand this. He bids us count the cost. The greatest cost of following Christ is yielding. Yielding my will for his will. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Can I ask you a question? I'll give you the last one. Will you let God tell you no? Will you let God tell you no? Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. You talking about a mood killer. Here's this guy, newly got saved, man, excited. I'm going to be one of you guys. I'm going to go with you, and we're going to win the next crazy man in the next town to Christ. This is so great. And Jesus says, get out of the boat. Hmm? Could we just put it on the bottom shelf and say that probably didn't feel very good when Jesus told him no? Can Jesus tell you no? Can Jesus tell you to get out of the boat? Can Jesus tell you where to go? Because that's what's fixing to happen, a yielded desire. Andrew Murray says God is ready to full, assume full responsibility for the life that's totally yielded to him. There's no room for your will and God's. When I first moved here, I was coming down Broadway, getting ready to head back to the house. I'm coming down Broadway, and I'm getting on the Cloverleaf right there to head south on 49. Are you with me? You know where we're at? I get on there, making the circle around. I like to take them fast. You know, my wife doesn't like that, but I like to take them fast, pull a few G-forces, you know, feel like a man there in the Impala, coming around the corner. We get all the way up to the top of the hill, and I realize something. You might need to know this. I may be fixing to save your life, so wake up and hear me, okay? There's no merging lane there. I don't know who thought that one up. That's one area I wish they didn't have budget cuts. I'm just coming around, getting ready to get in the merging lane, and there's this dump truck like, what's this idiot doing? I'm like, get over, man. He couldn't get over. There's no merging lane there. You know what I had to do? I had to yield. I had to yield because I promise you, he was about to have his way, and I was going to lose. That's the way it is with God. There's no room for your will and his. You've got to yield. Let him tell you no, howbeit he suffered him not. Finally, we look all the way down. So what are we trying to find? Direction in the midst of our desires. It begins with a willing desire. I'm willing. I'm willing. Number two, I'm yielded. I'm yielded. But watch the result in verse number 19, red letters. Jesus says, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Now, this is the great part. When you're willing and you're yielded, it unlocks the door for you. Because as soon as he was willing and yielded, Jesus spoke the direction clearly. Do you see it? He gave him clear direction. You ever wonder, maybe tonight the reason you're not getting clear direction from God is because possibly you're not willing or you're not yielded. Jesus spelled it out for him. That's why, number three, I want you to see a definite desire. A definite desire. He spelled it out clearly. Here's what I want you to do now. He found his now. What was it? He says, go home and to thy friends. Go home and to thy friends. 
Give you some good advice tonight. When in doubt, reach what's within reach. When in doubt about what the will of God is for your life, reach what God has already put within your reach. By the way, this is a spiritual principle. Let me give it to you. Acts 1.8, the last command that Christ gave before he ascended. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both and in Jerusalem and in Judea, keep reading, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. But notice where he said first. Jerusalem. Do you know what he told them? He told them, go home and to thy friends and tell them. Tonight, if we're seeking direction for our life, it begins with a willing desire. I'm willing. God, I'm gonna, I'll follow you. I'm willing to follow you. And then, God, I'm willing to yield. I'm going to let you tell me no. I'm going to let you tell me, no, I know this is what I want, and it's a good desire. But I don't want to choose a good desire when I can have God's desire. And no, no matter how good of a desire you have, it's a poor replacement for a God desire and what God wants for us. And then when God shows us, he gives us this definite desire. He says, I just want you to go home and to thy friends. Tonight, can I ask you this? We're all seeking our now. We're all seeking our now. I want to know what God left me here. Why did God lead me to Central Baptist Church? What is this all about? Why am I here at this place for this time? Well, God wants to give you direction. He wants you to know for sure. Remember, he's a father. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee. I want to show you great and mighty things. God wants us to know. But could it be tonight the reason we don't have a definite desire, we don't have clarity on our direction, it's because we're not willing because we're not yielded. In just a moment, we're going to start showing you some of the plans for the new year, some on property, some building we want to do, and some plans for outreach we want to do. He said, man, I'd love to be a part of that. Oh, God wants you to be a part of it. He said, I just don't know what to do. Are you willing? Before we ever start talking about this, say, I'm going to be willing, whatever it is, God, I'm going to be willing, and then I'm going to be yielded. Why? Because I want to be definite. I want to know what your will is for my life at this place this time. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed.